0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. As part of our inspiring TED Talk series, spotlighting can't miss TED Talks and their key takeaways. Today, I explore Simon Sinek's famous 2014 TED Talk, Why Good Leaders Make You Feel Safe. to the human capital innovations podcast as part of our inspiring Ted talk series spotlighting can't miss Ted talks and their key takeaways today I explore Simon Sinek's famous 2014 Ted talk why good leaders make you feel safe what makes a great leader management theorist Simon Sinek suggests it's someone who makes their employees feel secure who draws staffers into a circle of trust but creating trust and safety, especially in an uneven economy, means taking on big responsibility.
1: There's a man by the name of Captain William Swenson who recently was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor for his actions on... September 8th, 2009. On that day, a column of American and Afghan troops were making their way through a part of Afghanistan to help protect a group of government officials, a group of Afghan government officials, who'd be meeting with some local village elders. The column came under ambush and was surrounded on three sides. And amongst many other things, Captain Swenson was recognized for running into live fire to rescue the wounded and pull out the dead. One of the people he rescued was a sergeant, and he and a comrade were making their way to a medevac helicopter. And what was remarkable about this day is, by sheer coincidence, one of the medevac medics happened to have a GoPro camera on his helmet and captured the whole scene on camera. It shows Captain Swenson and his comrade bringing this wounded soldier who'd received a gunshot to the neck. They put him in the helicopter, and then you see Captain Swenson bend over and give him a kiss before he turns around to rescue more. I saw this, and I thought to myself, where do people like that come from? What is that? That is some deep, deep emotion when you would want to do that. There's a a love there. And I want to know, why is it that I don't have people that I work with like that? You know, in the military, they give medals to people who are willing to sacrifice themselves so that others may gain. In business, we give bonuses to people who are willing to sacrifice others so that we may gain.
0: I love that opening story as he shares the military example of selfless leadership Someone who's willing to sacrifice themselves for the betterment of their people. This idea of no man left behind, that they're going to do everything they can to protect their people. And they know that they, their people would do the same for them. That kind of trust, that kind of uh, security amongst their team is something that the military is known for, but it's not something unique to the military. It certainly can happen in other places. Yet, we often reward the the wrong things within organizations. And it's no wonder that when you set up incentive structures that pay out individual bonuses, oftentimes you're going to have people uh, who engage in unhealthy competition within a team where they actively look to undermine other people that they work with at their very same organization so that they can get the bonus, so that they can get the reward. So throwing your own people under the bus for your own betterment, that's the opposite of what was being shared in that opening story, and unfortunately we see too many examples of that in corporations all the time, but it doesn't need to be that way. We can be selfless leaders, we can be servant leaders, we can put the needs of our people first and foremost while understanding that there's a certain selfishness to it as well, because if we if we're selfless in that way if we create a an environment of security and trust that our people will perform at higher levels
1: and in fact that actually makes us as the leader look better so i asked myself where do people like this come from and my initial conclusion was that they're just better people that's why they're attracted to the military these better people are attracted to this concept of service but that's completely wrong what i learned is that it's the environment and if you get the environment right Every single one of us has the capacity to do these remarkable things, and more importantly, others have that capacity too. I've had the great honor of getting to meet some of these, who we would call heroes, who've put themselves and put their lives at risk to save others. And I ask them, why would you do it? Why did you do it? And they all say the same thing, because they would have done it for me. It's this deep sense of trust and cooperation. So trust and cooperation are really important here. The problem with concepts of trust and cooperation is that they are feelings, they're not instructions. I can't simply say to you, trust me, and you will. I can't simply instruct two people to cooperate, and they will. It's not how it works, it's a feeling. So where does that feeling come from? If you go back 50,000 years to the Paleolithic era, to the early days of Homo sapien, what we find is that the world was filled with danger. All of these forces working very, very hard to kill us. Nothing personal. Whether it was the weather, lack of resources, maybe a saber-toothed tiger, all of these things working to reduce our lifespan. And so we evolved into social animals, where we lived together and worked together in what I call a circle of safety, inside the tribe, where we felt like we belonged. And when we felt safe amongst our own, the natural reaction was trust and cooperation. There are inherent benefits to this. It means I can fall asleep at night and trust that someone from within my tribe will watch for danger. If we don't trust each other, if I don't trust you, that means you won't watch for danger. Bad system of survival. The modern day is exactly the same thing. The world is filled with danger, things that are trying to frustrate our lives or reduce our success, reduce our opportunity for success. It could be the ups and downs of an economy, the uncertainty of the stock market. It could be a new technology that renders your business model obsolete overnight or it could be your competition that is sometimes trying to kill you, it's sometimes trying to put you out of business, but at the very minimum, is working hard to frustrate your growth and steal your business from you. We have no control over these forces. These are a constant, and they're not going away. The only variable are the conditions inside the organization. And that's where leadership matters, because it's the leader that sets the tone. When a leader makes the choice, To put the safety and lives of the people inside the organization first, to sacrifice their comforts and sacrifice the tangible results so that the people remain and feel safe and feel like they belong, remarkable things happen.
0: Yes, the leader sets the tone. Remarkable things can happen when we create that kind of a safe environment, a safe environment where people know that they can try things out, they can experiment, they can fail uh, and and they know that they're not going to be punished for their efforts to try new things where they can speak up and speak out uh, about things that they observe in the organization that maybe are leading to uh, inefficiencies. You know, it, it's just so for so many reasons important that we create a workplace of safety and trust. And it's deeply seated in our brains. We we are social animals. It's evolutionary psychology that we need safety. And when we're in an environment that is safe we are better capable of performing at peak levels. When we aren't in a safe environment, when we don't trust our coworkers and we don't trust our boss, we're worried about being thrown under the bus the first time anything bad happens or the first time we make a mistake, you know what is going to happen? We are going to go into self-preservation mode. Instead of trying to push the envelope, drive disruptive innovations, instead of doing any of that, we're going to do what is safe. And what is safe is not what's going to keep our competitive advantage over our competitors.
1: I was flying on a trip, and I was witness to an incident where a passenger attempted to board before their number was called. And I watched the gate agent treat this man like he had broken the law, like a criminal. He was yelled at for attempting to board one group too soon. So I said something. I said, why, why do you have to treat us like cattle? Why can't you... Treat us like human beings." And this is exactly what she said to me. She said, "'Sir, if I don't follow the rules, I could get in trouble or lose my job.'" All she was telling me is that she doesn't feel safe. All she was telling me is that she doesn't trust her leaders. The reason we like flying Southwest Airlines is not because they necessarily hire better people, it's because they don't fear their leaders. You see, if the conditions are wrong, we're forced to expend our own time and energy to protect ourselves from each other. And that inherently weakens the organization. When we feel safe inside the organization, we will naturally combine our talents and our strengths and work tirelessly to face the dangers outside and seize the opportunities. The closest analogy I can give to what a great leader is, it's like being a parent. If you think about what being a great parent is, what do you want? What makes a great parent? We want to give our child opportunities, education, discipline them when necessary, all so that they can grow up and achieve more than we could for ourselves. Great leaders want exactly the same thing. They want to provide their people opportunity, education, discipline when necessary, build their self-confidence, give them the opportunity to try and fail, all so that they could achieve more than we could ever imagine for ourselves.
0: This airline example is another cautionary tale about what happens when we have a compliance-based organization and where we use fear-based motivators to try to get people to do what we want them to do. In that kind of a, an environment, we don't have trust and we're not protecting our people. It's not about safety. Uh, at least it's not about the safety of our people. It might be, as the executive, it might be me trying to protect my own behind and being willing to throw my people under the bus if and when they make a mistake. But it's not trusting my people and it's not having their back. And so we need to be looking for ways to create not a compliance culture, but a commitment culture, Uh, a place where people do feel like they can do what's best for the customer and they're not going to get dinged for it. I think we've all been there. We've all been in organizations and we've all worked under leaders who use fear, fear based tactics, who who just drive the innovation, the creativity and the willingness to put ourselves out there. Uh, they just suck it out of us. And that's what we can't have. That's why Southwest is doing so much better in so many ways and is known for its customer service uh, over other airlines. It's why so many customer-centric organizations are able to thrive. And it's because it's a safe environment for the employees. They know that their boss has their back. and explore those ordinary, everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations.
1: Charlie Kim, who's the CEO of a company called NextJump, in New York City, a tech company, he makes the point that if you had hard times in your family, Would you ever consider laying off one of your children? We would never do it. Then why do we consider laying off people inside our organization? Charlie implemented a policy of lifetime employment. If you get a job at NextJump, you cannot get fired for performance issues. In fact, if you have issues, they will coach you and they will give you support, just like we would with one of our children who happens to come home with a C from school. It's the complete opposite. This is the reason so many people have such a visceral hatred, sort of anger at some of these banking CEOs with their disproportionate salaries and bonus structures. It's not the numbers. It's that they have violated the very definition of leadership. They have violated this deep-seated social contract. We know that they allowed their people to be sacrificed so they could protect their own interests. Or worse, they sacrificed their people to protect their own interests. This is what so offends us, not the numbers. Would anybody be offended if we gave a $150 million bonus to Gandhi? How about a $250 million bonus to Mother Teresa? Do we have an issue with that? None at all. None at all. Great leaders would never sacrifice the people to save the numbers. They would sooner sacrifice the numbers to save the people.
0: Lifetime employment. It's a radical idea. And whether or not you could get behind such a radical notion or not, the principle there is what's key. And that is when people feel safe and secure, they're not worried about getting fired for the first misstep that they may have when they know their boss has their back. When, when employees are in that situation, they tend to perform better. And so regardless of our own uh, policies at our organization in terms of hiring and performance management issues, you know, what ultimately what we need to do is we need to create that kind of safety structure. And we, we need to create an environment where our people know that we're not going to take the first opportunity to get rid of them. And when the economy takes a downturn, we're not going to take the first opportunity to lay people off. Uh, it can go a long way just helping people understand that we understand what they're going through what they're struggling with that we're going to do everything we can to protect them when we can do that people will have greater levels of commitment
1: towards us and to
0: the organization
1: bob chapman who runs a large manufacturing company in the midwest called barry waymiller in 2008 he was hit very hard by the recession and they lost 30 percent of their orders overnight Now, in a large manufacturing company, this is a a big deal. And they could no longer afford their their labor pool. They needed to save $10 million. So, like so many companies today, the board got together and discussed layoffs. And Bob refused. You see, Bob doesn't believe in head counts. Bob believes in heart counts. And it's much more difficult to simply reduce the heart count. And so they came up with a furlough program, Every employee, from secretary to CEO, was required to take four weeks of unpaid vacation. They could take it any time they wanted, and they did not have to take it consecutively. But it was how Bob announced the program that mattered so much. He said, it's better that we should all suffer a little than any of us should have to suffer a lot. And morale went up. They saved $20 million dollars. And most importantly, as would be expected, when the people feel safe and protected by the leadership in the organization, the natural reaction is to trust and cooperate. And quite spontaneously, nobody expected, people started trading with each other. Those who could afford it more would trade with those who could afford it less. People would take five weeks so that somebody else only had to take three.
0: What courage. I find that inspiring for that leader to stand up to the board to insist that no we will not be laying anyone off. Yes, labor cost reductions have to take place, so they got creative. They looked at the ways to minimize the pain on their employees. They came up with a furlough system. Now, furloughs, that's that's difficult too. That nobody wants to be furloughed, but his insistence that we're not going to throw anyone under the bus, we're not going to let anyone go amidst this economic downturn knowing what that would mean for their family but instead we're going to share the pain we're going to together get through this and sharing that message with the employees that drove higher levels of commitment higher levels of morale ultimately they cared for each other they looked after each other they helped and protected each other and the leader set the tone
1: leadership is a choice it is not a rank I know many people at the senior-most levels of organizations who are absolutely not leaders. They are authorities. And we do what they say because they have authority over us, but we would not follow them. And I know many people who are at the bottoms of organizations who have no authority, and they are absolutely leaders. And this is because they have chosen to look after the person to the left of them, and they have chosen to look after the person to the right of them. This is what a leader is. I heard a story of some marines who were out in theatre, and as is the marine custom, the officer ate last, and he let his men eat first. And when they were done, there was no food left for him. And when they went back out in the field, his men brought him some of their food so that he may eat because that's what happens. We call them leaders because they go first. We call them leaders because they take the risk before anybody else does. We call them leaders because they will choose to sacrifice so that their people may be safe and protected and so their people may gain. And when we do, the natural response is that our people will sacrifice for us. They will give us their blood and sweat and tears to see that their leader's vision comes to life, And when we ask them, why would you do that? Why would you give your blood and sweat and tears for that person? They all say the same thing. Because they would have done it for me. And isn't that the organization we would all like to work in? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you.
0: That is definitely the type of organization that I want to work in. And yes, when you lead out with courage and compassion and empathy, when you look out for the needs of your people, you support them, you help them to achieve their greatest potential, you provide safety and security for them. When you do all of those things, you develop trust. They look to you. And they are going to be willing to sacrifice for you in return, just like you sacrificed for them. It's how we build lasting, trusting, sustainable relationships. It's not rocket science, but it is difficult because it requires sustainable attention and effort. And there are no shortcuts. We and we can't cut any corners. We have to just put in the work. And we have to consistently develop that trust over time. I love this approach to leadership. I love the servant leadership philosophy that is undergirding everything that he's saying. I think it's so vital for us as leaders to try to lead out with courage and compassion. As always, I hope you all stay healthy and safe. I hope you find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you have a great week.